Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Take your Bible, Judges chapter 9, and let me just kind of bring you right up to speed uh, where we are in the book of Judges. As you know, the book covers a 400-year period. You got a pen? Write this down. It covers a 400-year period. What we have in this book is seven cycles of sin or seven rotations of sin. The people would be devoted to God. Here's the rotation. The people would be devoted to God, and then they would forget God. They would do evil. God would send them an oppressor to wake them up. And while they are being oppressed, they would cry out to God for help. God sends a judge, a deliverer, a hero, a savior to deliver them from the oppressor. The people are free. The people are blessed. And as long as the deliverer lives, everything's great. Everything's fine. The people are blessed. But as soon as the deliverer, the judge dies, the people turn away from God and the sin cycle continues. Simply, they sin, God sends, they cry, God comes. They sin, God sends, they cry, God comes. That's the sin cycle in the book of Judges. Now, before you point your finger too quickly... We sin, God sends, we cry, God comes. And that's how it is. I don't know about you, but it's been that way in my life for a long time. And I suspect it will always be that way as as I'm in this earthly tabernacle. Someday Jesus is going to come and take us home and give us a new home in heaven and we'll be sin free. But until then... We sin, God sends, we cry, and God comes. You know what that tells us? God is faithful. So faithful. I love talking about the faithfulness of God. And that's the sin cycle. It happens seven times. So far, we've looked at five judges, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, and we meet another judge. His name is Abimelech. Got to be honest with you. I, you know, I really struggle with this chapter. <laughs> Got to be honest, Bill. This is this was a toughie because this is one of those chapters here in chapter nine. You know, if you're looking for a good feeling, you probably came for the wrong night. This is not one of those nights where you're going to leave here feeling all fuzzy because this is not one of those chapters. I mean, and it's struggle for me because I like fuzzy. I like good feelings. I like to walk away and go, hmm, that was so nice. But that's just not going to happen in this chapter. And it really made me struggle because it's not very uplifting. It's not very positive. Although someone once said this, no man's life is ever completely worthless 
because he can always be a horrible example. Hmm. Too true. And that is most certainly true in the life of Abimelech. He is an excellent, get this, write it down. He is an excellent example of what not to do. What not to do. Why? Because he's evil. He's ambitious. Bad thing to be ambitious. Selfish ambition. And he is manipulative. And this man has got to be one of the most cruel people in all of the Bible. Judges chapter 9. We're going to read really big chunks of text since I am short on time. All right. We're going to read big chunks of text and then I'll come back and give it to you as the Lord gives it to me. Pray. (laughs) Judges chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. Then Abimelech. The son of Jerubbabel. Who's that? That's Gideon. Remember, his name was Jerubbabel, also Gideon. Jerubbabel means contender of God. Contender of God. Jerubbabel, that's another name for Gideon. Then Abimelech, the son of Gideon, went to Shechem to his mother's brother and spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. Which is better for you, that all 70 of my sons, of the sons of Jerubbabel, rule over you, or that one rule over you? Remember, I'm your flesh and blood. I'm your flesh and bone. And his mother's brother spoke, in verse 3, all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. And so they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal-Bereth, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men. I know some of those, actually, some of these guys. Worthless he hired and reckless men, and they followed him. And then he went to his father's house at Oprah's in the Bible. That's Oprah. And killed his brothers. Did you get that? He went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jerubbabel, on one stone. That was bloody. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left because he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together, all at Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the Tabernacle tree, at the pillar that was in Shechem. And when they told Jotham, the youngest brother, remember him? He went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and said, and and he cried out, and he said to them in verse 7, Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Oh, we better stop right there. You know, in chapter 8, Gideon is retired from the military. If you were with us, then you know. If you weren't, then you don't. But you know now. Gideon. (laughs) Gideon is retired from leading the military army. And there's peace in the land for 40 years. He goes back home, and he has 70 sons, which he wasn't that retired. He had 70 boys. Now, that's a lot of kids. 
I remember when I was in the Navy, they would say that uh, sailors had a girl in every port. Well, well, Gideon had a wife in every town because he's got 70 sons here. And with one of his concubines, he had a son, and his name was Abimelech. Abimelech means my father is king. Now, don't think that Abimelech is going to rescue Israel like the rest of the judges because he actually doesn't. He's not going to rescue Israel from the enemy. He actually is the enemy. He is a really bad man. So Abimelech went to his uncle who lived in Shechem and he said, hey, uncle, why don't you talk to the guys who live in Shechem and tell them it just makes sense for one person to rule over them? Moi, he says. And then for 70 Brothers and 70 brothers of his, his brothers, he, he, he wanted to rule over them, wanted to rule over the people. And then he says, hey, this makes sense because I'm family. In other words, you don't want my brothers to rule over you. You want me to rule over you. And the uncle went and spoke these words in the hearing of the men, and they decided to follow Abimelech. And so they went to the evil temple of Baal, and they hired some thugs, some ruffians, some hoods, And they went to their father's house and he took his 70 brothers and he placed their heads on one single stone and he lopped them off. The youngest brother, Jotham, he escaped and all the men of Shechem made Abimelech king. Now we know that he was not the king of Israel. Who was the first king of Israel? Just yell it out. Saul. So he was not made the king of Israel. This whole coronation is actually a farce because God doesn't accept it. He wasn't the king of Israel. He was actually the king of the Shechemites. So when Jonathan or Jotham, pardon me, heard that they made Abimelech king, he went and stood on top of Mount Gerizim. Now you might remember from the book of Joshua, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal form There are two mountains, and they form this this amphitheater. It's a real natural amphitheater. Mount Gerizim is the mountain of blessing. Taking notes is the mountain of blessing. Mount Ebal is the mountain of cursing. And Jotham stood on Mount Gerizim, and he lifted up his voice. And then notice what he said. He said, listen to me in verse 7, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. And then beginning in verse 8, if you write in your Bible, You could write this down. He tells the first parable here, beginning in verse eight is the first parable recorded in the scriptures. We know that Jesus speaks often in parables, but this one is the first parable. Get this. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. Here's a parable. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which Thy honor, they honor God and men and go to sway over trees. And then the tree said to the fig tree, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over trees? And then the tree said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men and go to sway over trees? And then all the trees said to the bramble bush. And that's not like in George W. That's like in a bush. You knew that. It said to the bramble bush, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. Bramble bushes do not offer shade. 
But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, therefore, in verse 16, if you have acted in truth and sincerity in making Abimelech king, and if you had dealt well with Jeroboam, Gideon, and his house, and have done to him as he deserves, and by the way, verse 17, for my father fought for you, he risked his life, delivered you out of the hand of Midian, but you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons on one stone and made Abimelech the son of his female servant king over the men of Shechem because you because he's your brother. If then you have acted in verse 19 in truth and sincerity with Jeroboam and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And notice in verse 21, after he said this, Jotham ran away and fled and went to Beer and dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. So stop right there now. He gives the first parable. Jotham is standing at this huge pulpit and he said, listen to me that God might listen to you. And he begins to give this parable, a parable. What is a parable? A parable is an earthly story. Here's the simplest definition, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The earthly story is there's a group of trees searching for a leader. And they came to the olive tree, the fig tree, the vine, and they said, rain over us. But they were too busy bearing fruit to waste their time as simply waving their branches over a bunch of trees. Well, finally, in desperation, the trees asked the bramble to rain over them. And the bramble is a shrub, as you well know, and is good for nothing unless and it's actually useless and it bears no fruit. And you can't use a bramble bush for anything. You can't build anything with it. There's nothing. It's good for nothing. And it's not large enough to provide shade. A bramble bush is dangerous to sheep and to flocks. And the only thing you can do with it is dry it out and use it for fire. The earthly story. Now, here's a simple truth. The trees that were most desiring, get this, are the or, or most deserving, pardon me, are the least desiring. The trees that are most deserving are the least desiring and the bramble that was most desiring is the least deserving. In other words, the trees that most deserve to rule didn't want to. That would represent the brothers, the 70 brothers who deserve the rule because they didn't want to rule. And the bramble is the bush that is most desiring, but least deserving. That is who? Abimelech. Oh, he wants to reign and he wants to rule over people, but he's not deserving. He's most desiring. His brothers are most deserving, but the least desiring. And isn't that the way it is? You know, there's a lot of people who want to rule. And when you really want to rule, that, that, that just simply means that you are, 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 are least, least deserving, when you want to rule. You know what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 42? Jesus said, when he called them to himself, he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord over them, 
and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be, he's talking to his disciples, it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you shall be what, saints? Servant of all, or shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be the first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. You see, we are people who need to be people who desire to serve, just like Larry was talking about. Serving each other, not desiring to rule over you. Uh, We talked about this before. The leadership here at Calvary Chapel, we don't want to rule over you, and that's why we don't have membership. Have you noticed? People ask me all the time, Pastor Rodney, how do I become a member at this church? And I tell them, you become a member by just showing up. That's all I got to do? Yeah, you just show up. We don't have membership because the truth be told, the roles and the members and you signing your pages and your allegiance to this church, that doesn't mean anything to the government. Nobody needs that, and we don't need it as a church, and we don't need it. Why? Because we don't want to rule over you. No one desires to rule over you, and no one should. We are a fellowship of believers, and we don't have membership Because if you're a born-again believer, you are already a member of the body of Christ, and that's all the membership you need. And I get, you know, I told you guys, I get those letters pretty frequently when people come and attend the church, and, um, you know, they come from different denominations. I don't misunderstand me. Membership is fine. If you come from a church and they have membership, I'm not saying membership is evil. I'm saying we don't have membership. And people send us those membership letters. And, you know, that the person has requested to transfer membership to Calvary Chapel. And, you know, I open the thing, and if I don't see a check, I just throw it away. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to say that. It just came out. No, I mean, you know, I don't know what that, what does that mean to me? Nothing. You know, I really don't, I, I really don't file those. And I got to be honest with you, because I love y'all. I, we don't keep those. Why? We don't need them. Because we know that membership has everything to do with it. If you're a Christian, you're a member. If you're not a Christian, you're not a member. And so we don't want to rule over you. We want to serve you. And it's our joy to serve you. It's our joy to just be a blessing. You see, people like Abimelech, he wanted to rule over the people. He was ambitious and cruel and manipulative, and he wasn't deserving, but he wanted to take that authority. And he killed his 70 brothers, or actually 69 of them, to gain that authority. Notice the story goes on. But, but, but the, oh wait, you got to see this. Look at this. Look, look, wait, wait, he was up on the mountain. Remember I told you Mount Gerizim is a mountain of blessing? Did you see that in verse 7? It's a mountain of blessing. So he's on this really high pulpit, and he's standing over the people, and he's giving this great sermon, or this great, you know, parable about the brothers and Abimelech being the bramble, and the brothers are the olive tree and the fig tree and the vine tree. And then he rebukes them for mistreating Gideon's family. And then it says, I love verse 21, and then he ran away. He's doing all that talking, but he thought, you know, I bet get out of here they killed me. <laughs> That's what it means in the Hebrew language, of course. You understand. Now, now look at verse 22. Now, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, fascinating, God sent a spirit of ill will. Some of your Bibles say 
Ra-Ruach in Hebrew or an evil spirit. God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. That the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubbabel might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them. And on the men of Shechem who aided him in the killing of his brothers. And the men of Shechem sent men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains. And they robbed all who passed by them along the way. And it was told Abimelech. Now, notice that we got to stop right there. Everything's fine. Everything's been fine for about three years. Bad blood developed between the men of Shechem and the bramble Abimelech. And so they set up an ambush on a highway to get Abimelech. And while waiting, they figured they would just rob some people. This is the first mention of highway robbery in the Bible. And in judgment, God removed the peace and sent an evil spirit or ill will between the men of Shechem and Abimelech. Now, you got to understand this. Lots of folks have a problem with this. You mean God sent an evil spirit? Yes, he did. That's what the Bible says. Well, this is not the only mention of it. We have another mention. If you're taking notes, you look this up in your own time. First Samuel sixteen fourteen. the Lord sent a jealous spirit to Saul and he hated David and tried to kill him and he threw a spear at him. You know that story. And David was really smart because he ducked. And then in first Kings chapter 22, verse 22, God sent a lying spirit or a demon spirit was sent to the most wicked king of Israel. Who would that be? Ahab. You guessed it. And then in Isaiah chapter 19, God sent a spirit of perversity or a perverse spirit to to uh, Egypt. So we have many mentions of God sending allowing an evil spirit, a perverse spirit, a lying spirit, that which is evil, allowed by God. Now, for many Christians, this is a tough one. For many non-Christians, this is a tough one. I think the answer is simple as this. God is much bigger than Satan. Say amen if you knew that. And God, get this, get this. Are you ready? Get this. God is puppeting Satan for his glory. I bet you never thought of that. I really didn't either, to tell you the truth, though I had to look at this. God is always in control. See, we look at the world situation and we think, oh, God's out of control. Oh, well, President Bush is doing this and these people are doing that. And oh, my gosh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and God has lost control. That's not true. God is very much in control. And through our study in the book of Revelation, we discovered that God is in control. God is always in control of Satan, the false prophet, and the beast. And when he's ready, he will put them all down. So God is always in control. And, and God is, is always using Satan. Satan is working for God. Satan is actually accomplishing God's will. You see, God wants us to choose to love him and to choose to follow him willingly. And without Satan, man would have no choice. And so God allows Satan to 
these evil spirits and perverse spirits and lying spirits. God is in control of all of that. How do you know, Rodney? You remember the book of Job, don't you? Satan, where you been? Oh, walking to and fro throughout the whole world, seeking who I can disrupt. Oh, really? God says, have you considered my servant Job? It's like, God, please don't brag on me. This is not good. This is not good. This can't be good. Have you considered my servant Job? And Job's probably going, no, don't say that. And then you know the story. He uh, went and tempted and tested and took everything that Job had. God said, yeah, go ahead, Satan. Go ahead and test him and tempt him and, and, and do what you're going to do, but don't touch his soul. What does that tell us? God is in control. God is always in control. And so God is using Satan. And the things that as God sends an evil spirit or God sends a lying spirit, God is always behind the scenes using Satan. And so for me, I don't have a problem with that at all, because that also tells me that nothing, listen, that that nothing, listen, that should tell us as believers that nothing can happen to you unless it first is filtered through the hand of the almighty. Amen. I don't have to worry about, oh, Satan's going to do this and Satan's going to do that and the devil did this and the devil did that. See, that's why I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about what the devil did. I refuse because I'd rather let my words be given to glorify God who is in charge of everything. And whatever Satan is doing, whatever Satan is not doing, I know that God has one hand on the thermostat and one hand on me and it'll never get too hot where I can't bear. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.